0: Happy Friday afternoon everybody. Welcome to another MSP Cyber Roundtable. We've got Jeff Ferris here from Cloud Radial today. Uh, We're going to be talking about cooking security with the client, uh, how you can maximize your your relationship with the client to get security things done and and, uh, tools that can help you do those types of things. uh, communication styles, I imagine that, that can help you do some of those things. So it's going to be a fun conversation today. Um, how are you guys? How is it? Let me ask I'm you guys, hungry. this: how did your guys' hedgehog do? Is it, is it spring yet? Or did you guys have, uh, did you guys have winter come back through? Jeff, you go first. Uh,
1: we have spring today, but it's supposed to snow maybe over the weekend, right? And then be spring next week. So that's typical Dallas.
0: Oh, okay.
2: So, I'm far enough north that sometimes um, the temperature drops into the you know double digit negatives in Fahrenheit mm. in actual temperature, um, not mm. just wind chill for once or twice a winter, yes. sometimes more for like the nighttime, right? And then it's like only only zero during the day, um, just a brisk Z. And during that time, right, you really like, you really remember you're in the north and like the trees are creaking and like, you're you're, like, oh man, we're all going to die if the power goes out. And it didn't happen once this year. And we're February 16th. And so it's been, it's been sort of an easy, I'm like, I'm like the depth of winter is only like a week, like the third week of, of February is when I'm like, all right, we're out, we're on our way out and we're there so Mm, it does feel uh, right
1: time's flu
2: season's probably over i don't know that it's been declared but this is the time that like we usually don't have to worry about getting sick i so i can i can hear the
0: the the birds chirping and see the grass growing already the sun it's making making it up there till seven o'clock almost that's pretty good jeff i told you i was going to ask you on air what's your favorite pizza topping
1: Pizza topping or pizza? Because this is a broad well, subject as we talked about, right? So, we might
0: as well cover the full gambit. And then you you said you are uh, finding an affinity for Detroit style pizza.
1: I am, I've Puerto always Toledo, been a Chicago right? style pizza yeah. fan since way back. And, and now the Detroit style may be winning out, right? So uh, really, I mean, just, these are just, these are just good choices to have, right? Like, if, if I had had a buffet of between Chicago-style and Detroit-style, like, who who would want to do anything else, right?
0: You might not be like able you, to do much else afterwards. It no, wouldn't like you, you don't either. care what's coma, on it, but, Jeff. Right? It's yeah. all about the crust?
1: <laughs> it's all about the crust. It's all about the crust and the cheese. You know, it's the balance of flavors. You know, not getting too much tomato. You know, you, you if it's done right, everything just leaps out at you, right? So... That's so good meat, thing. coffee, good cheese, you know, those are all, it's, it's a, it's a good keto, could potentially be a good keto top half and a bad keto bottom <laughs> half, right?
0: They, uh, I've heard, uh, now I come from the pizza industry, so I could be saying something that other people haven't heard of, but, uh, I hear that people are making pizzas and they're calling them no dough pizzas, <laughs> just taking the pizza toppings and throwing them in a 10. It sounds like soup to me.
1: Right? Uh-huh. I like yeah, I don't. Too. I have I have no <laughs> idea what you just said. <laughs> I don't even. I don't even think that sentence made any sense. I'm sorry. It didn't.
0: It didn't. Some of them don't. <laughs> Matt, let's uh, let's transition on over into a, a cybersecurity control and. Yeah. Let's all right. That's Pizza. I'm gonna. I'm gonna jump right in then.
2: So uh, since the new year, we've been covering uh, most of the domains in the new NIST CSF 2.0 draft. Um, today, we're looking at Identify. Um, there's been some changes. So you'll see uh, sections here have been dropped and moved around to other places. Um, identify is super focused now. Um, and We were just talking before the call. It's super focused, but also sounds like all of security. Um, and And that's the intention is to wrap up all of security and identify right um identify what you need to protect and um you know what you're not protecting and um what you should do about it so let's just look real quick here so it does f- seem like it has
0: some pretty key are those four <laughs> categories <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> these are all, core categories man it's all of security but um,
2: focusing on the fact that randomly navigating security is maybe not the best way to go and being a little organized about identifying what's important and what you need to do so you can realistically project manage your way through it without spending too much, right? And this is
0: govern, right? Forgive me.
2: So, no, no, no. We're going into identi- identify today. So I
0: feel like it would be govern because govern's a circle that touches all the other ones. <laughs> and that seems to be this. Govern ties it all together.
2: That's right, but um, identity identifies what you need to feed into the system to be able to do everything else. So, um, govern would would handle operations of all those individual components. Um, Identify is like the conveyor belt into the security factory, and then you protect, detect, respond, recover from there. Um, But at you know, some people start with detect, right, and they're missing out on. On identify and protect first you know if you go straight to hey I think someone broke in right (laughs) you missed the opportunity to keep them out to to begin with which is easier cheaper higher return on investment makes everyone happier right Um, so you like to do those things if you can Um, in any case first subcategory in um, the identify function is asset management so um, I have a lecture that I go into much deeper on this subject for our partners, but you know we want to find out where your assets and assets are. Devices, they're pieces of software. Um, It's anything that contains information, processes information, um, uh, anything required to access that information. So laptops, um, so physical things in the in the real world, right? It's also, uh, you know, your cloud services, you know, can be assets, even though they're virtual assets, right? Um, You can even have third-party assets, like um, the examples I always use are QuickBooks Online, um, your online banking, um, your cell phone provider. Um, You know, they're systems that are almost entirely out of your control, but they're critical business assets. Um, And then, of course, you know, SaaS, Office 365, stuff like that. So find out where all your stuff is, right? Um, And your people are assets too. We want to protect those. Um, Find out where all your stuff is. You need to identify it. You need to create lists of all these things. You need to categorize it. You need to triage it. You need to say things like, well, this is a critical business asset, super important. This thing's less important, you know? Um, Decide how you need to protect those things based on, you know how important they are and how they can be damaged right like so it's not particularly destructive to an organization if someone loses their phone as long as no one breaks into it right because you can buy a new phone all of our stuff's backed up in the cloud right mm-hmm. um lock those devices i have some quickly. pretty good pretty- vacation
0: pictures i don't want to lose man i don't know
2: <laughs> yeah back those up but um you know, not, not too disruptive, right? Someone, someone burns down your office. There's probably some stuff in there that's nowhere else. Right. Um, so different levels of criticality. Um, but then there's also sensitivity to things like, um, confidentiality, right? Um, no big deal. If someone gets your marketing literature, that's all out on the public you know, domain anyway. Right. Um, you usually don't want to leak your customer lists, right? And you, you definitely don't want to leak in, information you know about your client that your client has said, we trust you with this. Keep it secret, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but all that should be identified, and you need to figure out a way to manage that, that, that data repository of all of your assets. And Microsoft Excel, Google Sheets are um, the basics, and no asset management program is really complete without both of those things because there's always going to be things that just, you know, You got to make a list sometimes, Um, but also uh, the reality is keeping track of all the computers everywhere. Like you probably want some software integration to find all that stuff.
0: I would love to say something stupid or that might people might think is stupid. Um, But it's going to be perspective, I think, for a lot of for a lot of viewers. Um, I grew up in the in the restaurant industry, and if you didn't keep track of your your hardware assets properly in the restaurant industry people walk away with them yeah leakage so i mean i know i know there's a lot of depth to this in terms of like what you can do with the information and i also get that identify leading the information into where you know other things are being done but if you're not doing asset management man you're probably bleeding in some way yeah i mean there's
2: If you haven't interviewed your clients, you haven't interviewed your own people in your business. You're definitely missing something. You know, I I'm the CEO of a a small company, and I know for a fact that if I don't ask my people where their stuff is, I'm not going to know it all because my team's all doing their own thing. (laughs) You know, um. So in any case, go ahead, Jeff.
1: No, I, this is fascinating because one of the things that cloud radio we preach is something we call engagement maturity, which is basically, you know, the ability to engage and really understand and work with a client. Uh, at the highest level, that's strategic, which is basically you really understand what that business needs, what outcomes they are trying to drive to. And it, it, if you get into this asset piece, this identity uh, component, Most people, most MSPs I do think have a tendency to rush in with what they have in their stack rather than sit down and ask the questions of what things are we trying to protect and why are we trying to protect them, right? And if you go through this asset management identity step, what you are, if you really get into it and really understand it, you've got a good framework of understanding that puts you on a really solid platform with the CEO and the executive team in that business to understand what motivates them, what keeps them up at night, what drives their concerns, and this whole asset discovery process, because it's not just which, what are the endpoints or what are the servers? I mean, you get down to it, it's what are the facilities, you know, it's what everything that makes up that business that concerns them and that needs protection in some form or other, whether that's a lock on the door or whether that's a, a, a cybersecurity stack element, you really have laid the groundwork for a really strong collaborative and strategic framework with that client. Uh, and I don't really see how you get there without doing this asset, this this identity step.
2: Yeah, I think you you have to have um, you have to have processes for collecting this information. Um, it's not enough to use your existing tools and just be like, oh, there's the asset list. Um, you have to have a process that's built to seek out the assets wherever they are. So if you're if you're an MSP that doesn't work too hard, you pop into the RMM and you're like, oh, look, list of machines. There's my asset list, right? An yeah. MSP that might be thinking a little bit harder might be like, oh, and a list of users. And I know it's software's installed, right? And we're, we're lucky if we get that third one sometimes. Um, but to really take this from a security perspective that's focused on the client that actually delivers security value to the client, you have to flip that totally upside down. And instead of looking at the tools, you need to look at the client, figure out how their business works and what assets they have like from, from a business perspective, right? And you interview or you scan or you research it down. And hopefully the picture you got from your tools meets in the middle, but it never does perfectly. And that's, that's where you're going to find those things around the edges. You didn't know, right?
1: Yeah. You know, if you go back to on-premise, it was all, you could run, you know, like rapid fire tools as a, as a common tool. You could run that kind of discovery tool and find the list of assets if everything was on-prem, right? Uh, But that's not really the case anymore. There's so much organic IT out there. And like you mentioned earlier, whether it's QuickBooks Online or some of that stuff, those are assets that need protecting too. And you can't just not think about that as an MSP or, or, you know, and focused on security. And I think that, again, having those conversations with clients and really digging in and using the discovery tools is kind of like that first layer. But you have to have a list of 20 questions after that to ask them to try to discover that full list of assets that need protection, either by, you know, you or somebody else uh, inside, outside that organization.
2: So um, clearly a deep topic here, asset management in general. But once you have those assets, the the next step in identify is um, to identify risks to the organization. Um, so this is business processes, the organization as a whole, the individual assets, the people in the organization that have to run the thing, how are they risked, either personally or as as business human assets, um, how are they at risk? What are they at risk from? Um, uh, you mentioned a real world example earlier, I, I, I don't recall, but you know, a, a physical office is frequently um, at risk of someone simply sn- slipping inside, sneaking in. Um, and just taking something off a desk and walking out with it, right? Um, that's a physical risk. Is your organization scared of that? You know, if they're an attorney, yeah, they're probably really scared of that. I'm going to use my car wash example, right? Um, maybe not so much, right? Um, yeah. uh, so, you know, you, you need to understand from the, from the business perspective, what are they scared of happening? Right. Are they scared of someone breaking in and taking something out? Are they scared of someone breaking in and leaving something behind that could perhaps change the way you you operate your business? You know, there's an integrity risk that people forget about. Sometimes people could break into your system, not steal anything and just change the address um, or the name in some system in the database. And you end up writing a check to the wrong person. Right. Um, uh and then there's the availability problem. Like, or do you worry about systems being down, right? Um, some people don't care about systems being down. They only care about confidentiality. Other people don't care about confidentiality at all. They only care about systems being down. So you, you definitely need to figure those things out. And then once you have those seeds, those kernels of what someone's worried about, um, you need to then, then figure out, well, how does that apply to our business processes? How does that apply to our assets? And if we wanted to protect against those things, how would we protect about those things? And this, all these things I just said, that's the core of risk assessment, which is the next function here. So, um, you know, make make that list of stuff in, in asset management. Explore how it can be impacted by a threat. Um, and part of that is, what are the threats? Like literally, are there attackers out there that have their... their I was about to ask you? you in this
0: situation, what's a threat?
2: Yeah, well, it could be like someone's walking by and they see an open window, right? Or it could be like, Actually, we got competitors out there that want to steal our secrets or it could be, man, these guys really hate us. Right. And they just want to they just want to mess up our day or our life. Right. And being aware of that part of the equation is also important. Right. Um, You're going to protect way differently when you're trying to deter people that are just walking down the street. You know, they're looking for like an easy buck from an open window that you are someone that's, that's trying to like literally like break through your walls, right? Totally different types of protection. Um, so that's all part of risk assessment. Um, and. Which leads us right into the next thing, and I don't consider these to be separate topics, but. Um, improvement, right? And, and the idea here is once you've done all that assessment of finding all those ways that you've got problems. Um, from the perspective of risk, business has risks that could impact them. Well, how would we actually, uh, solve that, right? How would we, how would we triage that? How would we manage that risk? Um, can we actually come up with a list of things that's recommended to the business? Like, oh, you want to stop this? You should do this thing. And it's cost justified because it only costs this amount, right? Um, that's, that's improvements, right? Uh, It's all about future. Right, not not where you are right now, but where you're trying to get to. Right? Are you trying to get safer? And for some people, the answer is no. I'm not trying to get safer. I'm actually happy where I am,
0: and that's an important thing to know when you're talking to your client. Right? Um, it's also an important thing to know if you're a business, if you're an MSP owner or a business owner, because well, I guess those two are the same thing. Um, because if you're if you're no longer trying to improve in a space, um, you should make sure that your investment matches that Um, and not everybody in your organization is going to understand um you know people have this thing because i have managed multi multi multi-function businesses or multi-unit businesses before and people people have this feeling of well the budget does this year to year you know and the reality is is like yeah year to year but your business owner may have a 10 to 20 year plan that they're playing out or considering. Um, So you may have to have those conversations with your team and make sure everybody's informed about, well, what is the goal? Are we improving? And what are the budgetary uh, realities with that? Do we need to invest more? Are we not improving quickly enough? All those things.
2: Um, Jeff, anything you want to add here? I I sped super fast through assessment and and improvement because I'm excited to get into our. Our top He's
1: ready to <laughs> no, I. This all, you know, is all part of the same issue. So, if you think about from a client perspective, the typical small business, unless you're focused on selling to government, we were talking about earlier, uh, before the show, if you if you don't have this specialized need to be NIST compliant, um, for most small businesses, NIST is something they don't really want to talk about. Like, I really don't want to talk about tax code with my tax accountant, and I don't want to talk about environmental standards with my electric provider, right? So I expect that, that whoever's doing that will take care of that. But one of the things that's fascinating about NIST and the way they've done it with 2.0 and some other stuff is in the process of understanding this from, a, uh, from an MSP or a provider side, you're starting to understand what drives that business. And that's really kind of, again, if, if we want to focus on, I think as we focus a little bit more on this later is how you get, how you use that knowledge to create those strategic and collaborative relationships with clients where you really talk their language, right? And once you understand their assets and you understand where they're trying to go with those assets, you understand what keeps them up at night, you've got, you know, that's VCIO type functionality. That's aligning you with their executive team. Now, they're gonna expect, you know, you to just go back and take care of it because again, they don't just, just if I'm insecure in this area, just fix it. But these conversations and these questions start opening up, uh, I guess a train of thought and a, and a, a line of inquisition that gets you to a better place where you can discover more revenue for yourself and for your clients more cost savings for yourself and for your clients, and, and really more risk reduction uh, for both of you as well. And I think the the NIST framework, while most end clients won't care about it, I do think it's a great framework internally to help discover the things that, you, that the client really will care about.
2: Yeah, and, and hopefully
1: that makes I, sense. I, so. I
2: totally agree. Your clients, there's like, there's hundreds of controls in a framework like this, right? And, and NIST CSF is simpler than many others. Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and your clients definitely don't want to, we're going at this at like the category level, right? They, they don't want to talk about the subcategories and they definitely don't want to talk about the controls in those and the subcontrols inside those. Like it's hundreds of things you have to do to secure a customer, but they absolutely want to know that, you know, what they should be, what you should be doing. They want to know you, you, you have credible solutions and you're right. Like you don't, most people don't want to talk the details of tax code with their, with their accountant. But they do want to hear that the accountant knows tax code, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you expect from your accountant, right? And and I think if you're if you're missing the opportunity to talk a little bit about some type of security standard with your client, right, um, you're also missing the opportunity to really impress upon them that you really didn't know what you're doing, right? You're you're following government standards or some. Um, it doesn't always have to be a government standard there's other there's other standards out there right but you're you're not you're not a cowboy right you're following uh Mm. you're following the best practices of your industry
0: Cybersecurity cowboy that's a (laughs) tv show
1: i think it you know again just to just to restate this the whole point of nist is to turn this from a cost exercise like just a a a pain in the rear end exercise Mm into a discovery process to learn more about the clients and learn more about the opportunities that are available to you to address more things in an economic way for them, not related to NIST, but NIST is a framework to, to ask the right questions and, and, and become more knowledgeable about the client.
0: And even more, um, once you've done those things effectively, it should be something that could be revenue generating, right? Because
1: absolutely if
0: you're able to have conversations with the clients in terms of things that are driven by their need or desire you know either need to be compliant or desire to be seen as uh one way in an industry or one way in a market um you're you're now positioning yourself in a way where you can have an effective conversation with the client about what it is you could or couldn't do for them uh which um, is important. So I just wanted to tack on to that, Jeff, because you were, you were saying how valuable it is um, to educate yourself on their needs. But then once you're educated now, you can even solve them, which allows everybody to win.
1: Well, let's take one case in point. Um, as you come to understand organic IT, right? As you understand just even that area of the asset piece, you get a list of the organic systems that they're doing, uh, the online systems, their line of business apps that are in the cloud. As you see that, you should start being able to identify maybe moments of consolidation uh, that would save the client money. You could certainly find and uh, identify areas of identity uh, management where those systems can be linked together under a common identity, which will make it easier for employees to access and make it easier to onboard and offboard employees in that organization. As you understand, organic IT is a part of asset discovery. That should yield opportunities for additional projects or additional revenue potentially on, you know, monthly revenue uh, opportunity for identity as a service, right? It could open up these uh, opportunities to basically help, again, drive better solutions for them, maybe through the Office 365 stack. Office 365 now has so many tools in it. Surprising, even in my own organization, how many tools we use that we've brought in over the years that could probably be replaced by the 365 stack that we already pay for, right? So there's there's opportunities for cost savings, again, opportunities for better security through identity management, um, and just a better understanding of what you have to link to down the road, especially as things are open up with AI or Power BI or, or analytics, things like that. Knowing what they have available to them opens up more opportunities.
2: I, th- I think that that's the process, right? talking to your customer about real tangible things will will illuminate value that can be delivered, right? And this process will just keep going as long as a customer feels like they need more value, right? So if they they want to be secure and you and the customer have had a conversation about where they're at right now and you understand where they're at and they understand where they're at, you're both going to agree on how much they should be resourcing, right? There's not going to be a situation where you're like, hey, you need more security. And they say, I don't think I do, right? Um, and it, if, you're, if you're not in alignment with the customer, you either haven't informed them on their risks, right? Or you haven't talked to them to even understand how much they're concerned about risk. They may understand their risk and you may understand um, how much they need to protect themselves. And both of those things are, are 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 sometimes true right so that
1: yeah the other thing and again there's a lot of stuff that's lost between the stuff that we talk about about nist and then the way we talk to clients so for example if i think about the tax attorney the tax attorney can tell me all the time you need to document you need to document your expenses you need to document this you document that and i'm going like i don't want to do that that's just a pain I don't, I don't believe in documentation. I don't have time at every restaurant to be able to do that, right? Or every trip be able to do that. I just don't want to keep track of all that stuff. Same time, too, if the tax account's going to look, if we can do this, if you can document these expenses, you could say potentially 40% on your taxes, you know, by doing this. I mean, I'm making a number up here, but uh, not you have to make money but. to save money. But, right. Not, 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 <laughs> do not, do not.
0: Do I say that at on least April once
1: 15. a week. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: But, but if, the, if the tax account talks to me in the things I understand, look, we can save you you know thousands of dollars a year on your taxes. If you'll just do something simple like this, well, now, now he's talking my language, right? If he talks to me about the need for documentation and government record keeping and all that, it just goes in one ear and out the other ear. If he puts it in terms I understand, like I can save money on my car insurance, right? If I could save money, uh, then I'm going to I'm gonna pay more attention. And I think part of the problem with a lot of people is they lose the translation of the client and they get focused on talking about NIST standards and alignment with NIST rather than alignment with the things that keep you in business, keep you more profitable and keep you saving more money, right?
0: They used to, I used to, I'm sure this is from all over the place and isn't unique to uh, my career upbringing, but I used to hear when, when discussing effectively communicating with team members, um, make sure to communicate the with them, what's in it for me or what's in it for mm-hmm. them in this situation. Uh, and that's effective communication for anybody. If you're trying to get somebody to do something, whether it be you're trying to sell somebody something, you're trying to get a team member to execute something, you're trying to get your wife to cook the meal that you want her to cook because you're really, really wanting chicken alfredo what's in it for me what's the with them well i'll do the dishes you know you know if you if you use utilize this you're gonna have this much more profit you know to your point um communicating in terms of the value from the customer side is a challenge but there's really effective communication
1: well there's the two sides right what's in it for the client right i mean and, and security's not we talk about it, but from a client perspective, I don't think security resonates, right? I don't think it's like, where we're gonna be more, more secure, right? I mean, you know, there's a fair number of people that will just, they know they're more secure if they lock their front door, but then maybe half the time they don't lock their front door, right? I might door, to right?
0: leave the keys in the car.
1: <laughs> right, it's easier to find them that way, right? So. So again, security talking about security for security's sake, sometimes it gets gets lost in translation because it's like, yeah, I need to lose five pounds too, and I need to be more secure. And both are going to happen about the same time, right? And I get the
0: chicken off so,
1: of it. Right. So if we think about it, what's in it for the client? We need to put it in their terms, but then even for you know the provider themselves, what's in it for them to do the NIST framework? Because It's brutal if you do every last detail of it. I mean, it's a time sink and a half, but if you look at it as as a way of discovery to find those opportunity areas, then this becomes an enablement to more revenue as opposed to just something you do to check the boxes to make yourself feel better um, at night because you have an intense OCD, right? There's a real revenue component to understanding more about your clients. And this isn't a bad way to, to discover some of that information.
0: I love that. Um, while you were talking, I use, uh, I, I've use done this thing for half my life where each night at the end of the day, I, there's some goals and some things that I go over. Um, and as you were talking, um, I was, there have been nights where like I just, I just breeze through it. I don't really look at it. You know, I kind of just check the boxes. So it's like, yeah, I did the to-do. Um, I kind of liken this to cleaning too. you can clean your kitchen and then you can clean your kitchen.
1: Um (laughs) I don't know what the second is, but go ahead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um (laughs) so there are there are times when um it's so much more valuable to me when I when I do my process, my own internal process, which is something that I use to better myself, right? And and what you described NIST as is look, you use this properly, you can identify gaps where you could be better and you could take the steps to be better. It implies two things. It implies you want to be better um, and it implies that you're focused enough to make it happen. Um, and, and in my personal life with my own function, um, when I take the time to really take each thing, think about it and really consider versus just checking the box. I improve as a person, you know, when I just check the box, the box just gets checked and it's a lot of fun. Oh, I I did everything I was supposed to do today, but well, you know, so I love that point. And I think taking the time to be specific and to go through things with detail and to use it from the perspective of growth is really valuable. So, so
1: yeah, I had this saying that I'm, I'm trying to practice more, which is busy is not productive. Right? So just because you're busy doesn't mean you accomplished anything. And one of the things, if you take NIST and you print it out in its entirety, I mean, it's a, it's a huge stack of paper, right? If you gave that to a client and you gave that to an IT provider, they would both look at it, pitch it in the trash and go like, check, mark, complete, right? NIST, NIST resolved. It's in the trash, right? Without really understanding the opportunity, again, why it's there and how you can make money as a provider or save money as a, um, you know, as a client or make money as a client too. Because again, all of that discovery doesn't have to be pain. It can be opportunity, right? Again, when you identify their organic IT and we've all walked into situations where they have five different organic solutions for file sharing or five different solutions for, um, for you know, image management. And you go like, well, we can cut costs dramatically just by fixing these simple things that actually puts you in better alignment with NIST because there's less to manage, right? Less assets that have risk associated with them. And again, it can be a cost-saving, a money-making uh, opportunity if you explore it from that, that, that perspective. But again, when you get focused on checking the boxes of security, I just think it's brutally painful for the person that does it or the person on the receiving end as the client to experience it. You know, I've had a lot of conversations with MSPs. Well, they have to move to this, you know, this control. Why? What's in it for them? Like to go back to your point, why would they want to move there? I know it checks a box for you as the provider. What's in it for them? And being more secure isn't necessarily something that they wake up in the morning worried about.
0: Matt, man, I want to hear from you. You started to talk well, a about it. I want to hear I'm, the talk. I'm I, Jeff. I know
2: that. Um, you guys are a little opinionated about how to have these conversations with the client. Right.
1: Um, Yeah. You could tell, Well, no,
2: but, but you, I mean, you've built a whole value space around it, right? This isn't just your opinion, right? There's a, there's a product, you guys have a team Um, talk to me a little bit about how do you find that alignment with the customer where you're on the same page and what they need. Um, You both feel comfortable with the delivery. And, and, and the client does get to that place of, you know, that ideal place of safety, like wherever that is, what is, what are the, what are the components or the ingredients you think um, that you use when you, when you cook security?
1: Right. Uh, You know, the, the first thing, and again, there is a whole, we have a whole product around that now soon to be products we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, but uh, the, the core, the core here is to, basically get clients and MSPs or their IT providers working closer together, right? And to give, develop more strategic relationships. We call that engagement maturity. And if you go to www.cloudradio.com engagement maturity, you can kind of put yourself to sleep reading about about the way that we view the different levels of engagement maturity it's like operational maturity right and, and one of the things we talked about i think we got to the cooking was security because we we had the analogy of look the back end the security right. pieces all the stuff that, that the typical msp does is in the kitchen and at the end of the day to make a good restaurant you need the good stuff in the kitchen and you need the good stuff in in on in the house, the in in the front of the house as well. The greeters, the waiters, that the service staff, there has to be an engagement with the client with the wait staff, as well as good food delivered by the kitchen. When those things work together, you have a magical restaurant, right? If just one of those things clicks, you know, great wait staff, but poor food or poor, you know, great food and poor wait staff, it never seems to take off. You need both. And so engagement maturity for us is that. One of the things that we find with most providers is they're dealing with noise and chaos. You know, There's just every ticket's a snowflake, every engagement's a snowflake, every QBR is a pain, um, too much prep time. And so Cloud Radio was built to help address some of those problems. But the whole idea was to enable the time savings and productivity so that MSPs could basically have more time to listen. Every time an MSP's talking, just to find why they exist, why their bill's so high, what they need to be doing for NIST, what uh, you know, what a client, why the client has to turn on MFA, why a, you know, why a client needs to be, you know, doing these things. Every time an MSP's talking, they're losing. And the best way for, for MSPs to win is to listen. But in order to listen, they have to have tools in place they have to have a solution in place that frees them up to do that because there's just not time in the day with the noise of tickets, the noise of security, the noise of cloud management to to allow time to listen and they're stuck.
0: Effective listening is so important. Um, I love that point. Um, and I love, I love this also, most of our, most of our service provider partners have more than one client that have more than one team member that have more than one goals. You know, um, and, and you, made a, you made a point of to, to effectively listen, you know, sometimes you need software, sometimes you need tools to be able to do that. I think you make a really good point. Um, we're a HubSpot uh, house and mm-hmm. we use the hell out of the different functions of it because it allows us to be able to have real interactions with our customers uh, and our partners and their customers. Um, in ways that um, gives everybody the respect of them being a human being too, and having goal. Because I mean, we're we want to be a service, um, not service focused in the way that we deliver. Because we're a software organization, but serving our partners, you know, serving the community, serving the channel. Um, because that's when that's when everybody moves forward. Um, so. Uh- I want to double down on that, Zach. So first of all,
2: the reason why we chose HubSpot sorry, is that, right? But the how, the how it works for us is because it's built for people selling things like software, which is way different than services, and it's focused on inbound marketing because we don't believe in like cold calling, right? Um, spam campaigns, right? We want engaged partners that are interested in... In uh, you know relating to us, learning more about us, building building a relationship, building building a relationship, and then building uh, building business success right in their business, um, and and we love to help them, and so that's that's why we use HubSpot. I know in in the, in the MSP ecosystem, right? People use these these PSAs, right? And they're particularly good at like analyzing like team utilization rates and like pulling pulling part numbers from distribution um not not always very focused on that interaction between um you know the PSA and the actual customer organization i know that i ask people well what are you doing for marketing and they're like oh well my psa is not good at email and i'm like
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not what i asked
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's what you're what you're describing basically are collaboration platforms and so HubSpot internally is a way for you to collaborate with each other with the rest of your team to understand a client's journey and where they're going, right? right. And where you want them to go. Right. The PSA is a great collaboration tool for the kitchen staff, right? Essentially for the back end wow. staff, because again, they can look at that and see a common set of information.
0: It's your it's where your well, receipts go.
1: <laughs> right. What we've done with Cloud Radio is build the CSA product which client services automation, which complements the PSA to become that collaboration platform between the MSP and their client, right? So that both, both of them can look in the same spot, see the same information about the same backup jobs, the same tickets, the same asset management pieces, the same training guides, everything else that's in there. They, they deal from a common set of facts Mm. so they can collaborate. Right? Instead of, you know, printing and presenting or the MSP going like, trust us, this is really the trends. Cloud Radial makes all that data transparent to clients, lets the clients interact with it at their own, at their own leisure, if they want. Um, so that again, when the MSP sits down, he doesn't have to, he or she doesn't have to sit down and regurgitate everything that happened over the last 60 days. It's all in the portal. It's all in a product. Now they can get to uh, dealing with collaboration and the strategic objectives that client is trying to achieve. So again, we've gone from a place of justifying the bill to a place of identifying and, uh, and acting on the opportunities that we've identified.
0: You go from- And I
1: think, again, that, that's that's been a fun journey for us to kind of expose MSPs to this who didn't have this kind of capability before we showed up.
0: You go from justifying the bill to driving value. You know having those conversations about well those collaborative conversations because that's what they're paying you to be there for is you know help me help me improve help me with with this part of my business that i'm not an expert in um so if you're there having those conversations well then they're of course they're going to walk away happy with what they're paying you because you're doing you're focused on the things i love that i love being able to have a, I mean, our tool does something similar with the, on the, in terms of allowing both sides to see, um, and the the delivery of what's happening from a security perspective. We'd love that perspective, the transparency and the flexibility on how you're able to work with that end client is great. And to your point, some of those folks um, are dying to get in there and are very hands on, and some of them have. Are never going to go in there. Um, But it's really good to have um, all that data in one place and to be able to effectively communicate it. I love that.
1: It's super, it's super critical. Um, And again, with the things that are going on, security being just one factor of that. I mean, everything has to be collaborative. I mean, even this, this identity asset management piece is a collaborative exercise, right? There's no way an, uh, an MSP or an IT provider is just going to look in there and go like, oh, I got all the answers. They're just not going to have them, right? They need to talk to clients and that engagement with clients is, is what drives uh, the next steps.
0: Well, tell me about a success story. Tell me about your yeah. favorite success story. Um, walk me through what it looks like, um, to effectively communicate, uh, with a client or a set of clients, um, utilizing the tool and, and, um, I guess an ancillary question to that is what do people most often express that they're, um, happy with from an outcome perspective that they didn't potentially expect.
1: Yeah, let me let me kind of walk this backwards a little bit, because I think having a framework of why it works is, is yeah, critical. Yeah. And if you think about Amazon, and again, Amazon is basically a touchless provider, right? I mean, everything's through their website, everything's online, everything's a digital first strategy, and that's allowed them to scale massively. Uh, with their clients. And one of the things that technique of being a digital first approach is critical to set the stage for the day-to-day operation, right? And so one of those things, whether it's basically pre-triage tickings, tickets, taking the noise out of the, the round robin of tickets, pre- presenting clients at QBR, we estimate we've saved our own clients over 5 million hours of time and labor of not having to produce QBRs uh, because they're already available of not having the back and forth of tickets because again they came in more streamlined uh, because basically things are transparent so clients aren't having to ask for a copy of the latest invoice they're not have to ask if backups run we've got a we know we've saved our clients again millions of hours in that regard what's interesting you talk about a success story is we've got a client up in canada uh who basically went whole hog on our product right and they basically decided to adopt this digital first um very client centric perspective and the owner called me kind of out of the blue and said look I can trace our profitability our increase in profitability and client growth from the day that we adopted cloud radial right and those kinds of things i again That it's, it's nice after you start a product to achieve those outcomes, to actually see those outcomes. But I know that we're elevating the conversation, right? I know we're elevating the conversation between clients and their providers, and that's opening opportunities. I'm I'm a big believer that whatever problems we're solving today won't be the same problems we're solving 10 years from now, right? Well,
0: it's never true, right? I mean, if you think about tools in general, and I'm a big, like, I'm a big nerd for history. Um, and especially people over time Uh, but if you think about tools in general the first tools were were a long long time ago and we were not dealing with the same problems that we're dealing with now Um, learning a hammer for the first time and its effectiveness um, and then coming to this point where we're still doing the same thing you know here's a tool to allow you to take your effort your limited effort because we all have you know, eight to 16 hours a day that we can be productive, your limited effort. I mean, here's this so that you can be more productive because the tool is going to do an element of it. I mean, we've literally been doing that as a species for however long Mm -hmm. you as a listener think that we've been doing it as a species. And it's, it's just in us inherently. Um, to develop things that make work better, um, and then to develop communities around those things. So,
1: yeah, I mean, think about, again, from an industry perspective, think where we were 10 years ago, and this is, let's say 2012, 2014, you know, the, the iPhone's been out a little bit, mobility's starting to kick off. We're still basically kind of an on-premise world at that point. Mm Uh, you know, VMware is huge because we're doing it on-prem. Uh, we're doing a lot of things. We're, we're talking about the, you know, switching off from Windows Server 2008 to two, 2012. Uh, Security is basically um, WebRoot or McAfee, right? Uh, things are much simpler. Ten years before that, you know, we're just discovering the the ability for communications lines to be a part of that right, to basically be able to say, look, we can communicate over the internet, uh, you know, at 128, you know, KB or something. I mean, some some ridiculously slow rate that seemed really fast at the time, right? Um, 10 years before that, we're talking, we're basically still talking about sharing a hard drive uh, among multiple workstations and how cool that was that we could all share a common hard drive and do file sharing. So if you look back every 10 years, it's huge changes and there's no reason to think that 10 years from now, isn't going to be a huge change as well. Right. And the idea that we're going to get there without listening to our clients or without digitizing more of that experience, uh, without basically emerging from a commodity that we're becoming now, uh, as an industry, because again, I, if I, if machine's a throwaway, uh, I don't really spend much time on warranties now because in the three years, I'm going to pitch it. Right. I don't really care about that machine because the new machines are probably 50% faster and, and at the cost of labor, that's a huge amount of money, right? So as we go through that 10 years from now, if we don't make these changes to listen to clients and become more strategic with them, you know, I think that there's some real downsides to again, becoming a low cost commodity player in the space.
0: Well, if our, if our, if, if listening to, if our clients are our market our target market and you're not listening to them, I mean, that's the market, right? Those are your customers. How how are you knowing what is changing in the macroeconomics if you're not listening to the micro of what your customers are telling you? Um, So, I mean, I think at base, listening to others is the most important thing. Uh, But in general, like in life, communication, I think is just it. But in this specific instance, if you're not as a business, if you're not listening to what your customers are saying and whether it be an MSP listening to, you know, the client saying, Hey, these are what my drivers are. And this is what's important to me in the moment.
1: Mm. You're
0: going to miss where you can be most effective. And even if you're a restaurant uh, to diet full circle to you know, cook and security, if you're a restaurant and you're not listening to your customers saying, I really hate the gabagool, get it off the menu. And you're just pushing the gabagool, they're not going to show up anymore. You know, right. and, and that's how that's going to, it's the same way on the MSP side.
1: Well, the other thing, too, is that at the rate most MSPs add new clients, um, you know, which is one, maybe one or two a month or one or two a quarter. The, the real r- opportunity for revenue growth isn't from necessarily from new clients, it's from existing clients. And, and unfortunately, if you're not out there looking for new solutions to offer clients, then the only tool available to you to get more clients is to raise the seat price. And I see a lot of MSPs raising the C price because they think that's the only way to get more revenue from clients because they're not innovating with new products and solutions that the clients want to pay for. Because the faster you raise C price, in theory, the faster your clients, without adding that extra value, are going to be looking for somebody that's providing a lower seat price oh,
0: it's like, but saying? if you're adding
1: more services and values there's there's real opportunity
0: i forgive me for cutting you off earlier there but it's like it's like adding delivery charge i don't know if you ever use an uber eat or order a pizza or whatever yeah. but you're like oh my god it's six dollars now to get it delivered well, i'm gonna go to the one that's three just out of spite almost right. in the moment you know and obviously switching costs between pizza places and, and service providers is a little different so, you know, uh, it's not that, you know, but-
1: It, it is it's if, it's, if it's trans, it's not if it's, if it's just transactional, right? And, and again, if the client sees you as somebody that fixes a problem, Certainly. you know, that's the way they see their HVAC guys, that's the way they see their landscape guys, right? If, the, if you're just a problem fixer, then that's a problem, right? right? If you're their attorney, if you're their tax accountant, if they're a financial planner, then that's a whole different thing, but you have those guys listen and give advice and help set and determine outcomes. They're not transactional. You have to ask
2: someone what they're trying to do as a business and then give them advice that helps them achieve that thing so that you're actually pushing their business forward to be in that position, right? Right. You can't just offer like a new email solution, right? Like.
1: No, and you can't be in there hammering them every day. Like you're not NIST compliant. We've got to get you NIST compliant, right? You've got to give them something that they that they care about um, in a way that they want to care about it, right? And there's ways to get them to be NIST compliant without, it's like your tax account. There's ways that they get you to save money on taxes without helping you comply better with tax accounting rules that you really don't care about, right?
0: It's
2: so just tax season, isn't it? isn't it? it is. Should we uh should we talk <laughs> a little bit more specifically about uh, cloud radio? Um, yeah, do
0: your pitch and let's do our do our takeaways and then let's all. Uh, if you guys them. haven't figured it out by now, uh,
2: Jeff also operates a, uh, a, 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 <laughs> a software company.
1: <laughs> I there, there is, there's rumors to that effect. I don't know if I operate it, as I just get to like sit here, um, and be surrounded by really good people. So that's even better. Uh, no, Cloud has been around for six plus years now. We have focused on what we call the client services automation space, client basically improving that productivity between MSPs and their clients. Cloudradial.com is is the place to go for basically everything for that digital transformation. Uh, between uh, you and the client, and then uh, again, we've got some AI stuff coming up here in a few weeks. It's just freaking killer. So um, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, so again, to, to say we save over five million hours before. We think we can save five million hours a year going forward. It's it's really awesome.
2: Really excited about that. Did you guys?
1: I'm, I'm really have, excited. Did you guys
2: see those videos released the last day or so from us uh, from Sora, the new Open, AP, AP, open AI project?
1: No, T- it, 1080p yeah.
2: videos, photorealistic, like from text. Wow.
1: I, I mean, we knew it was coming, right? Yeah. And And uh, you know, smooth out some wrinkles. That would be awesome. <laughs> so next time, next time I chat with you guys, maybe I'll have a full head of hair and uh, a darker I, beard.
2: You know, it's coming. Uh, I'll get it and I, with a pen
0: and we can get that beard taken care of.
2: I, right I'm now. sure in 10 years, this piece of software we're using is just going to have the Make me ten years younger, button.
1: Be the be <laughs> the person I want to be, not the person I am. Yeah, can I, right? can I, I lose? lose to- twenty
2: five pounds, button?
0: Oh, oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Do we want to? Do we want to do rounds of takeaways?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, for me, you know, really just emphasizing, you know, to, it's great, like cooking. Cooking security up with all your tools and your toolbox, and working with your team to deploy the new things. But, um, you know, it, when it comes to delivering actual value to the client that they're going to pay you for, you've got to figure out what they value, right? Right. So uh, you know you got to you got to talk to them about what they're trying to achieve, um, how safe they want to be. What does safe even mean? Safe from what? Right.
0: <laughs> um. Anyway, that's my takeaway. I love what is safe even mean. Jeff, you wanna you wanna give us a takeaway, and then I'll do mine, and I'll take us out of here.
1: No, I just again, I think NIST, looking at NIST, is a great tool for listening, yeah. um, and I would I would look at it first as a as a as a MSP. I would look at it first as a way to make money from clients first, and then secondly as a way to um, Look at it as a a way to improve their security, because if you do it that way, you're more likely to get through it.
0: I think that's probably right. You see it, see it for its opportunity instead of for its uh, pain, pain.
1: (laughs) massive, massive pain. Maybe.
0: Yeah, it's probably the nice way to say that. Um, Well, what do I want my takeaway to be? I kind of want it to be about pizza and I kind of want to (laughs) get Detroit pizza.
2: I don't know if this was on air. Was it, was the Detroit conversation on air?
0: (laughs) I think we had a little bit of it, but my takeaway, my takeaway. Well, I mean, I, I continue to love everything that you've said about communication. I continue to love prioritizing the needs of, of, uh, not necessarily prioritizing the needs of, but at least understanding clearly the needs of those you're communicating with, um, especially clients. I think that's just, that's just advice one oh one for anybody that's looking to be an effective uh, leader, teammate, uh, partner in business, partner in love, partner in uh, pickleball, any of those things is a good place to start. So I think I'll take that as my takeaway and,
2: well, oh, on that note, uh, we have room for just one Q&A answer. I got to say, Dean, if you don't know the answer to this, happy <laughs> wife, happy life. Um, do the dishes and cook, clearly.
0: <laughs> I have so many answers to this question that are only going to get me in trouble. So I'm going to just go right <laughs> kind of into an outro. <laughs> um I, Go ahead, Jeff. Please save
1: me. I just think if you're technical, we have to. For people that are technical by nature, we have to. We basically need to do more for the women in our lives or men in our lives, because they suffer, oh. right? And I think if we recognize that that we come with cost uh, oh. with our with our propensities, then we'll be more forgiving and more more caring for the people that want to spend time with us. That's my
0: thing. I really liked that. I think I'm going to save that on my phone or something and just play it every once in a while. That was great. All right. All right. Where where are we going next week? Get us out of here. (laughs) Yeah, Jeff, it was awesome. Uh, Everybody who's still with us, thank you so much for joining us this week for our conversation uh, with Jeff. Awesome. Next week, we are going to be talking about cyber insurance. Oh, goodness gracious cyber insurance, small businesses and MSPs in 2024. Uh, We're going to have Melanie on from Architects, which is a cool name now that I just said it out loud for the very first Mm -hmm. time. Um, And uh, I think it's going to be a great conversation. That cyber insurance space is always moving. So in 2024 is a is a good qualifier. there. looking forward to that conversation. Thanks so much to everybody. Happy Friday and have a great weekend.
1: Thanks, guys. Bye, everyone.